Girlfriends, episode number 196, Hacks for Empty Nesters. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we move on from toddler hacks to the other end of the spectrum. Hacks for empty nesters coming right up. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Welcome to another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I am so happy that you are joining me. Always glad to be able to connect here on the podcast. If this is your first time listening to the Girlfriends Podcast, I want to give you a special welcome. Thank you for checking us out. Thank you for giving Girlfriends a try. I'm happy that you're here. I'm hoping you're going to enjoy the time that we spend here together and come back again to become a regular member of the Girlfriends community. If you're a longtime listener or sometimes listener, welcome back. Thrilled that you're here. Always glad to have you take part in the Girlfriends community. Thanks for showing up. So this week we're talking about empty nesters. And I hope even if you're not an empty nester that you're going to listen, okay? Because this stuff applies to us all, honestly. What I've found about motherhood is that it's always shifting. It's always changing. You're always in a different stage, a different phase, a different season of it. And there is an adjustment period. Some of them are, of course, more dramatic than others. You know, becoming a mom for the first time or when you're first dealing with toddlers or when you're first dealing with teenagers, oh my gosh, or when your kids first go to school or what we're going to be talking about today when your kids are actually leaving the home and you're finding yourself in a new phase of parenting, a new stage. So this topic came to me from our girlfriend's Facebook page. So if you don't know about the Facebook page, I'm just going to do this little aside before we dive into this content here today. Our Facebook page is a private group that we have um, just for Girlfriends listeners. So if you listen to the Girlfriends podcast, which you do, you're listening right now, you are cordially invited to take part in this private group that we have going on Facebook. It's a group that is private. That means you have to request to join. I have to approve you. And um, let me tell you, I have been doing you all a favor in my approvals for the Girlfriends podcast in that there's a bunch of spammy looking profiles who are requesting to join. I don't know who these guys are and if they're even real. And I don't know how they even, I don't know how Facebook works. I don't know how they find groups to try to join or whatever. Anyway, I'm filtering through. Um, you don't have to do a whole lot besides request and have a normal looking profile for me to let you into the group. Um, if you cause trouble once you get in there, that'll be another story, but we have not had that issue. Um, it's actually a wonderful group, a group of people who listen to the Girlfriends podcast who want to connect outside of the podcast. So I really love the idea of having this group because it gives you guys access to each other. I don't always have to be there. And sometimes I'll see a question posted. I'm like, oh, I can't get to that right now. And then I'll come back later. And other members of the group have already responded beautifully and have offered resources and insights and advice and ideas. So that's really what this group is all about. So if you'd like to take part in it and you aren't already a member of it, you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash girlfriends podcast and just click to request to join. If uh, you don't want to remember that, if you can't remember that, if you're driving or running or whatever you're doing, then um, you can always go to the show notes at ascensionpress.com and the link to join our Facebook group is always there or all else fails. Other people have done this. 
just send me a message on Facebook saying, hey, what's the group? And I will send you the link. Okay, I'll be glad to do that. I'm Danielle Bean on Facebook. So you can always find me there. Anyway, that was my little aside, my little promo for the Facebook group. Before I tell you, this question came from Kathy, who is a member of the Facebook group. And um, she wrote in shortly after the recent episode posted about uh, toddler hacks for weary moms. (laughs) I know I heard from a number of people who found that helpful. I heard from a number of people who said it was just nostalgic listening to it because they're beyond that stage of parenting, but it was kind of fun to listen to and remember some of those old struggles. And let me tell you, I think, you know, talking about the phases and stages of motherhood is something, of course, that's very dear to my heart, close to my heart. Um, for me personally, of course, but then it's also been like work that I've been doing my whole life is connecting with women through motherhood, connecting with women through our shared experiences of motherhood. And in that kind of reflection, it becomes very clear to me that it's something that's always in flux. And it's something that we're always needing to make adjustments to. And also, we're so immersed in it, that we don't even notice when it changes sometimes until we wake up one day, and we're like, Oh, Hey, I never, I never have to do that thing anymore. You know, whatever it is like running pacifiers through the dishwasher or, you know, finding sippy cups under the couch with moldy old milk in it. Not that that ever happened around here. Um, but you know, that sort of thing where you, it's one of those kind of phases that changes over time and you may not notice you're in a new phase. Some of the, the changes are subtle in that way, but not so much for empty nesters because that is a dramatic change. And I I say this as an emptying nester. That's what I call myself because some of my kids are out of the house permanently. Two of them are on their own. Two are away at school for much of the year, but then are home uh, during breaks and over the summertime. And then I've got four that are here at home full time. So for sure, my nest is not empty, but this is something that I've been thinking about quite a lot. In fact, My newest book project, which will be coming out from Ave Maria Press in February of 2020, we've got the published date of February 7th, I'm pretty excited about this, Um, is called Giving Thanks and Letting Go Reflections on the Gift of Motherhood. So you can imagine... I've been reflecting a bit on my emptying nest. And that's exactly what that book is about. I can't wait to share it with you because it's really just been a project that's very close to my heart, a different kind of writing from what I've been doing recently. So those of you who are familiar with the work that I've done in the manual for women, in You Are Enough, in You're Worth It, where I'm looking at stories from the Bible and really kind of, it's almost like a teaching kind of in a friendly way, walking you through these stories of the Bible, the Old Testament in You Are Enough and the New Testament in You're Worth it. Um, But it's a different kind of writing from that. This book is giving thanks and letting go is much more um, memoirish and reflective personal essays on this stage of life that I am finding myself in. So I very much welcome Kathy's question, which I'm finally going to read here that she shared on our um, girlfriend's podcast group page on Facebook. So Kathy wrote, Danielle, I just listened to the podcast on toddler hacks. You had a lot of good suggestions. I used to do the reading and the quiet time with my kids. We read about 30 to 45 minutes twice a day. They loved me reading to them. So I have a podcast idea for the other end of the spectrum. I am an empty nester now. I have been for a while. My children are 29, 31, and 33. Sometimes I get this empty feeling. As hard as it was raising them, there was a structure to it. I knew where I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to be doing. It was preset for me. 
Now, sometimes I feel a little lost. I have a full life. I work full time, exercise, play golf, teach religious formation, spend time with my kids and mom. Yet I still miss the comfort of the schedule when all the kids were home. So any thoughts, Kathy? So Kathy, I so appreciate you asking this question. And as I said, it's something I've been giving a lot of thought and um, reflection to in recent months. Um, I finished the manuscript for Giving Thanks and Letting Go a few months ago, but I only just recently um, had to do a final edit, a final final look through. I did the hard edits earlier, but then a final look through before it goes to the proofreader. And um, it, it was funny. It's it's a funny experience. For those of you who are writers, I'm, I'm sure you can relate to write a book and then be away from it for a little while and then go back to it and read it kind of with a fresh perspective, fresh eyes. And you kind of see and hear your own voice in a way that it's kind of hard to do when you're in the middle of it. So anyway, I just recently did that exercise. So for sure, this has been on my mind and on my heart. So I have a few different things I want to suggest to Kathy, but not just to Kathy, but to any of us who might be going through these kinds of adjustments, perhaps a hard adjustment inside of your a different phase of motherhood. So the first thing I want to say about empty nesters, emptying nesters, and, you know, Kathy's sharing, she's been in this phase of life for a while, um, but still kind of struggling a bit, that the first thing I want to say is it's okay to feel sad and it's okay to feel lost. Sometimes we want to just reject those feelings. Like I need to fix this right away. This isn't right. Right. And yet it's okay to feel that it's a real thing. It's a real thing to feel sad. It's a real loss actually in a real way when our kids grow up and leave us for their own lives, as much as it's amazing and wonderful and you don't want them necessarily to live in your basement for the rest of their lives. And you know, this is how it should be. It's sad. And it is a loss because you used to have them there all day, every day. And it's a loss of even that little person they used to be. Like, I'll think of like my daughter when she was four. And I can remember so vividly that little person that she was. She's not that person anymore. Yes, of course, in some basic way she is. But that little girl is lost. It's gone, right? I know. I'm going to start crying here, right? This is, this is, I'm not meant for, I'm not meaning for this to be a really melancholy episode. But it's true that it's sad and it's a loss and it's real. So maybe instead of fighting that, we should embrace that. And I don't mean embrace it like, you know, get a get a pint of ice cream and hide in your closet crying all day. I mean, accept that it feels sad. You know, we're not meant to have perfect happiness here in this world. And I'm not saying you're saying this, Kathy, or that anybody else is, but it's helpful to reflect on that when we're feeling the pain of loss, when we're feeling grief, when we're feeling sadness, when we're feeling loneliness, that ultimately um, we're meant to only experience true happiness in perfect union with God. And that happens in the next life, hopefully. It's not going to happen here. So there are lots of ways on this side of heaven that we feel sad, we can feel lost, we can feel lonely, we can feel empty. And it's okay to recognize that. It isn't something that we have to hurry up and, you know, medicate or fix or immediately address. For sure, there are things we can do to mitigate that. And for sure, uh, you know, there's a point at which you shouldn't be diving deep into that loneliness or sadness or emptiness. But acknowledging it is a very healthy thing to do. Let's acknowledge it. And you've done that, Kathy. So that's great. Um, for others of you who might be going through a hard phase of motherhood, whatever it might be, acknowledging the negative feelings, the 
the sadness, the loneliness, the emptiness, the lost feeling, it's perfectly okay to do. In fact, I think it's very healthy to do, to, you know, not embrace it like this is the new me, I'm going to be sad and lonely all the time, but embrace it in that this is, this is how I feel right now. And it's normal to feel this way. It's okay that I feel this way. We don't have to be afraid of negative feelings. Sometimes I think that's what's going on is we kind of want to hurry up and put a Band-Aid on things. Something must be wrong because I'm not feeling great about this particular thing. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling an emptiness. But that is part of the human experience to feel that loss, to feel that emptiness because that's that's part of who we are as people. We are built for God. We are built for perfect union with God. Ultimately, that's what every human being is made for. And all of the good things we do here on earth through our our family lives, through our motherhood, in our marriages, in our work, as good as they are and as fulfilling as they can be, none of them is ever going to fully satisfy us. We were never going to be fully satisfied in our identity as a mother to Jamie or um, a, a wife to David or whatever. Like th- those are great identities and those are part of God's plan for how we can grow closer to him and how we can kind of work out our salvation through him and with him here during our time on earth. But that's not where we're going to find lasting fulfillment. That's not where we're going to find our lasting peace and lasting joy. That's not where we ultimately find happiness. We talked about this before here on the podcast, right? That only God can make us happy. That's a God job. Sometimes we put it on other people. Sometimes we put it on our spouses, right? That's kind of a modern cultural notion of marriage. Like, does he make you happy? You know, it's a problem if he doesn't make you happy. Is he making you happy? Well, that's not his job. (laughs) For sure, our spouses can and should at times make us happy. Um, But ultimate happiness? That's a God job. That's not their job. And same thing goes for our kids. We're not meant to find ultimate happiness through that relationship. So it's perfectly okay. In fact, it's appropriate and good to accept that you feel that sadness and acknowledge it. Give voice to that. And I, I think that's great that you're you're that in tune with how you're feeling, Kathy, that even years after the fact, you're still talking about it. I think that's wonderful. And for anybody else who's kind of going through that, rather than try to stuff those feelings or cover them up or put a Band-Aid on it or fill your life with busyness that's going to distract you from it, it's okay to acknowledge it and acknowledge the source of it, that we're not meant to find our ultimate happiness here on earth. There are going to be ways in which we feel unfulfilled because because it's outside of that perfect union with God that we're built for. So it's okay to feel sad and to feel lost. That's step number one, thing number one that I want to say on this topic. And then number two, Kathy mentioned structure. And I I think that this is so important because it, it is true that when you've got crazy young family life, that is part of the gift of it. And I remember being fully aware of that at the time, even though I didn't always appreciate it, that my days were not my own. You couldn't be more clear than, you know, when you're a mom of young kids and from, you know, they're dragging you out of bed in the morning, probably. And all the way until you're going to bed at night, your time is someone else's. And you're kind of like, I remember during those crazy early years of motherhood feeling like I'm just running around responding all the time, putting out fires all the time. Like, I don't have to choose how I'm going to spend my day. I have to accept the way in which my day is going to choose me and choose what I'm doing next and next and next. And being faithful to my vocation in those early years was very much about just being receptive to the will of God and the ways in which my children needed me, my husband needed me, and being open to what the next thing was. And there's a structure to that. 
that's actually very comforting. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to worry about it. It's very simple. But then as Kathy is experiencing and others um, of you might be experiencing, and I for sure have experienced, you might find you have more time when your kids are grown and gone, when you're in a different phase of life, a different stage of life. Uh, you might even experience this to some extent when your kids go to school and you're just in, you know, your kids are older and you have more time and you're able to be more the director of your own day, that that can be a little uncomfortable, right? I think, um, you know, you can look for ways to kind of fill your time with that kind of immediate demanding structure. And I've, I've witnessed this among women that I know and um, that during their empty nesting phase, they'll become more busy than they ever were because they're doing so many things. And I, I'm not judging whether or not that's good for them. I, I do think though, that perhaps the answer is not in more things. I mean, Kathy, gives the examples of many things that she's doing, many good things, and she has a full life. So, I mean, and that sounds very appropriate for the stage of life that she's in, the amount of stuff that she's doing. Um, but if you're kind of lacking that structure and feeling uncomfortable about it, then you can look for ways to add more structure to your life, not necessarily more stuff, right? But more structure, that kind of regimented structure. But I would, I would encourage you to pray about how to do that. Um, I've mentioned before in the podcast, A Mother's Rule of Life, which is a book by Holly Pierlow, which was very popular. Uh, gosh, it's probably 20 years old now. Um, I believe it's still published by Sophia Institute Press. Um, but in that, she kind of walks you through setting up a rule of life, the way that like um, a, a nun or a monk might have a rule for their life, kind of a structure for their life. She wrote the book at a time when she was struggling with really young kids and was looking for that kind of structure in the chaos of that season. But I think the same principles, and I mean, you can read the book or not, but just have the idea that that principle can still apply where you can say to yourself, here's what I have, you know, the amount of time I have in the day, here are what my priorities are, here are what my obligations are, and kind of make a plan for how it should all line up. Um, especially, I would encourage you to make a plan for um, your prayer life, your daily prayer life, making sure that you have ample time set aside for that. And I'm speaking specifically to Kathy and others in that stage of life where they kind of have that luxury where they can spend a lot of time in prayer every morning or every evening or at noontime or get themselves to daily mass or whatever it might look like for you. Um, but making sure that you kind of have your day kind of lined up in accordance with what you feel your priorities should be. I think that's a great exercise for anybody to do, but especially for somebody who's struggling with a new stage of life, um, a new routine, a new way of doing things. Part of that is just the freedom that you have um, for somebody who's in a later stage of mothering. And with that freedom comes opportunity. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but where you have stuff going on in your life, um, so it sounds like you, Kathy, for sure, do have stuff going on in your life. But if you happen to be in a stage of motherhood like Kathy, but you don't have stuff, I'm not recommending that you fill your life with stuff. But I mean, just Kathy's list is a, a good start, right? She's working, she's exercising, she's playing golf, she's teaching religious formation, spending time with her kids and her mom. I mean, yes, she has a full life. Um, so those are just examples of the kinds of things that you might look into doing if you're struggling with feeling like you don't have enough stuff in your life, enough things that you are doing that are not necessarily distracting you, but a good use of your time, a good use of who you are, your gifts and your talents at this stage in your life. 
if whatever it is that you decide should be your daily schedule, um, you know, being a little bit regimented about it can be helpful. Um, so it might be that you have all these things going on in your life, but you're not very structured about it. And it might be helpful to you if you have these different things going on in your life and you have a structure to every day, whether it's I wake up in the morning and I spend my first hour doing this. I usually spend before lunchtime doing this. I, you know, or, or if it's structured in um, a more general way, like on Mondays, this is the one extra thing I do. On Tuesdays, I, I attend this group at my church. On Wednesdays, I spend time with my grandchildren or whatever it is, you know, um, looking for ways to kind of have that structure, I think can be really helpful. Um, but just, you know, I would really recommend that you you pray about that structure before you set it up because sometimes it feels good to kind of set up that regimented structure. But if it's all our own plan, um, you know, that's only going to have so much value, but you really want to invite God into that conversation about that very personal and intimate decision about how you're going to prioritize your time. Your time is a gift. The time that you have in a new stage, a new phase of motherhood where you have newfound freedom is a gift. So for sure, I want to invite you and encourage you to um, invite God into that conversation about how you're going to spend that time. All right. The third thing I want to mention is you can offer it up. Now, this is an old Catholic cliche, right? But I was reminded as I was reading your question, um, Kathy, on this particular topic, talking about that struggle, that uncomfortable feeling, the sadness, the emptiness, the loss. It's a real opportunity to offer up. And I was reminded of this article I recently read um, by a priest who shared how he was visiting a widow like six months after her husband died and how moved and touched he was by the fact that when he asked her how she was doing, she said she was still sad, but that she had a perspective on the sadness she was experiencing and the loss she was experiencing in that it was a last gift she could give to her husband. It was something she could offer up for his sake. The fact that she was alive and he had died first meant she was the one, you know, in every couple, um, there's one who usually dies first and the other one is left grieving. And that's a real loss and that's a real pain. That's a real suffering. And I was really moved by what this widow told this priest was that this is an opportunity. She was the one who was going to be suffering this loss and this pain and this grief. And it was an opportunity to offer it up for her husband as a last gift she could give to him. What a beautiful perspective. And I think it applies at other parts of our lives. It applies in the part of your life where maybe you are grieving the loss of your children when they've grown up and they're living lives of their own, even if they're still very much a part of your life, there's a separation there. And then you're going to feel that loss and you're going to feel that emptiness and sadness. Um, but what an opportunity to offer that up and very appropriate, offer it up for them. So many of us, I hear from women every day who are struggling because their grown children are away from their faith or are struggling with various, you know, things going on in their lives, hard marriages or problems with their kids or health issues or, um, you know, the most common one is my, my daughter won't go to church anymore. I'm praying and praying and praying for her and she's so far away from her faith and, you know, that sort of thing, that sort of grief that we sometimes experience as parents when we can't control it. But this is something that you can do inside of that pain and that loss, which is real. It's an opportunity to offer it up for your child that you're missing offered up for your children that you are missing when you're missing that stage of life when um, they were all home and life seemed simpler and sweeter, right? 
I think sometimes that's what it is. Um, so offer it up. I just want to encourage you to think about ways that you can offer it up. It might not be for your children. There might be something else that you feel like God is calling you to offer up this, this struggle for right now. And then inside of any struggle, inside of anything that painful that we're going through, I find that when we apply that kind of meaning to it, when we unite it to Christ's suffering for love of us and offer it for a particular intention, the pain doesn't go away. That part doesn't get easier, but there's a new meaning attached to it. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, empowering gift. It's a beautiful thing that we're able to offer up for other people in that way. All right. So then along those lines, the next thing I want to mention is think about the ways in which you are still meant to be a mom at this stage in your motherhood. Of course, our relationship with our children changes over time. They're so very needy and dependent when they're first born and then different when they're toddlers, as we talked about in the toddler hacks episode. But we're always meant to be their mom. And sometimes that means being a prayerful support. Sometimes that means being a little bit of a nudge and putting some thoughts and ideas in their heads, you know, in conversation, not in a nagging way, but in a reminding way of who they are. Nobody knows them better than you, who they are. Um, so using that, um, but think about ways in which you're still called to be a mom to your own children in this phase of life. We are still called to be a mom and we're called to be prayerfully supporting our children. A lot of times in other ways, supporting our children emotionally, sometimes financially, even as they're young adults. Um, but look for ways that you still are called to be a mom to your own children, but then look for ways that God is calling you to use the gift of your motherhood in other parts of your life with other people. Now, we've talked about this gift of spiritual motherhood many times here on Girlfriends, and it's very real. And this is an opportunity for you to really implement that in your life. Think about how God might be calling you to mother other people that he's placed in your life. It might be at this stage, he's calling you to focus on your marriage. Many women who find themselves at this stage of life have been in a long time marriage and maybe haven't had the time and the energy and the focus to really pay attention to your husband and the ways in which God might be calling you to nurture your marriage right now. And so God might be calling you to use your feminine gifts inside of that relationship during this stage of your life, going deeper inside of your marriage. Or maybe it's people at work. Um, maybe you're working full-time, part-time, working in, or volunteering in some capacity. And, you know, maybe God is placing people in your life through that work that you have the opportunity to be a gift of motherhood to. That doesn't mean you necessarily have to be like bringing them casseroles or whatever is coming to mind when you're thinking about mothering the people at work. But truly, I mean, in a beautiful spiritual sense, the idea of motherhood being the use of our beautiful feminine gifts of compassion and sensitivity and generosity and receptivity to the needs of others, the thoughts and feelings of others, this unique gift we have as women to make others feel uniquely seen and known and loved. Where might God be calling you to use that gift right now inside of this stage of your motherhood? Maybe to some extent with your own children, but maybe in other people that he's placing in your life. Maybe he's calling you to work on some new ministry in your parish or to connect with your neighbors in ways that you didn't have time before, or to truly go deeper in your relationship with people at your work, people who might need that gift. Or like I said, focusing on your own marriage. 
might be a place that you haven't had the time, you haven't had the opportunity to focus before. And that can be a beautiful way that you spend your time and energy and focus during this new stage of your life. All right, then finally, I want to mention that it's important to think about, as much as it's important to acknowledge our feelings of sadness or emptiness or loneliness, those are real, and to think about our structure and think about offering it up and think about who else we can mother. I, I want to encourage people who are struggling with a new stage of motherhood, whatever it might be, to look at it as an opportunity, to look at the discomfort that we feel in new phases and stages of life as an invitation from God. Look at it as an invitation to grow in whatever way God might be calling you to right now. I think about like when, think about a time perhaps when you first ever went to adoration, right? And you you sat there in the pew. Have you ever experienced this? And it's so quiet there in the church. I know some people have a real feeling of discomfort the first time they experience that, that it's uncomfortable because it's unfamiliar. It's unfamiliar to just sit in a quiet church and you think, what am I supposed to do now? What am, what am I supposed to pray? What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to think? What am I supposed to do? It's uncomfortable because it's not yet familiar. But if you've experienced that, you know that over time, when you sit down inside of that discomfort and embrace that opportunity, however much time you're spending there in adoration, in quiet prayer, that it becomes more comfortable and you realize this is an opportunity. This is an invitation from God. This discomfort that I'm feeling, if I can settle down into it and accept it, that it's an invitation to grow closer to God. And I think so many phases of motherhood, when they're uncomfortable at first, so many stages of our lives, when, they're at, when at first we feel that discomfort, it truly is an opportunity. It's an invitation to grow, to dig deep. And that can be uncomfortable. Sometimes we're tempted to feel like, okay, I have all this newfound space, time in my life. I'm uncomfortable with it. I need to fill it up, right? Maybe that's not what God's calling you to do. Maybe instead of filling up your days with activities and distractions, as much as those can be good and to some extent can be useful, maybe he's calling you to dig deep. Maybe he's calling you to do less stuff, less doing, more being, sitting in his presence and praying, growing in your relationship with God. You have a unique opportunity to do that during a quieter phase of your life, during a quieter stage of your motherhood, whatever that might be. So I really want to encourage you to look at it as an opportunity. Okay, those are just my thoughts for Kathy. First, it's okay to feel sad or lost. Second, Add some structure. Look for ways that you can be more regimented in a way that's going to make your priorities really line up with what you're doing every day. Number three, offer it up for your kids, for other people, for other intentions in your life. Attach real meaning to that suffering that you're going through. Number four, think about who you're supposed to be a mom to right now and what ways you can practice your motherhood. And then finally, I want to encourage you to look at an uncomfortable New stage, new phase of motherhood as an opportunity, as an invitation from God to grow deeper in your relationship with Him. But I'm sure other people who've gone through this, wiser moms, more experienced moms, I'm just sort of a newbie at this emptying nest syndrome. Um, and I would love to hear from you if you have other thoughts to share. If you have ideas for Kathy or for others, if you have thoughts to share with me and other listeners here at Girlfriends about 
embracing and making the most of a new stage, a new phase of motherhood, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, Danielle at DanielleBean.com. You can send me a voicemail, record it right on your phone and send it to me at that address or connect with me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You know how to find me. Coming up, we have some feedback from a listener who's struggling with overuse of social media. I think we can relate. But first, a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to The Girlfriends Podcast. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. Welcome back to Girlfriends. So we're at the part of the show where I share some listener feedback. And this week I heard from listener Carrie who wrote to me, Hi, Danielle. Thank you for your podcast. I've been going back through old episodes and I find your advice really helpful in my life as a working mom of two young kids. My question for you is this. I think I am addicted to social media. I spend a ton of time at work and at home on Twitter and Instagram. I know it's wrong. I know it's not good for me. I know I'm supposed to be doing other things with my time and I just can't seem to stop. I'm not very happy working and I'm not very happy in my marriage and it just feels like an escape for me. I would love to know if others have experienced this and how they got over it. I have quit so many times and then gone back again and again. It's embarrassing how bad I am about it. Do you have any suggestions for me, Carrie? Well, thank you, Carrie, for reaching out. I think what you're describing here, the number one thing that stands out to me is that this isn't about the social media. These ways that you've been quitting, maybe using different tips and ideas for limiting your social media or quitting or keeping it out of your life, you keep going back because it sounds to me like you're not addressing the main problem you mentioned, being not happy working and not happy in your marriage and that this is an escape. I think that's very astute. I think you you know what's going on and you've even given voice to it in what you've written to me here that you're unhappy. So let's let's try to find out the source of that. I'm not going to be able to answer that part for you, but I want to encourage you to dive deeper into what that is, what that might be, because I think the social media stuff as addictive as social media can be, and that's why that's why you you know you're using it in this way. That's why you find yourself drawn to it in this way. It's designed to be addicting, right? But any kind of addictive behavior that we might be engaging in is a symptom of something else we're looking for, like you described, an escape. So why? Why are you trying to escape? Why are you unhappy in your work? Why are you unhappy in your marriage? Are you maybe suffering anxiety or depression, something that's going untreated? Um, I want to encourage you to think about that and think about ways in which you can treat whatever the source of that is. Um, You know, it might be... important for you to go to your doctor, maybe get diagnosed with um, something that's going on for you clinically, whether it's depression or anxiety, something that you're looking to escape. But I really want um, you to think about ways in which you can address the actual problem here. If you're unhappy in your marriage, why is that going on and how can you address that? Can you and your husband maybe get couples counseling or maybe you can get counseling or therapy for yourself? Or what about your work are you unhappy with? And can that be addressed? It's really good that you're self-aware and it sounds like you are very self-aware. You know that this isn't good for you and you keep going back to it. Well, 
I think you just described, you know, every kind of addictive behavior we might ever engage in from the the trivial to the very serious. So it's good that you're that self-aware, but it sounds like maybe you're just stopping there with the awareness. And I want this to be the nudge and the encouragement for you to get whatever help you need. Because, you know, whatever addictive behaviors we're engaging in, whether it's social media or, you know, actual drugs or alcohol or just eating and drinking too much or, you know, these kinds of things that we're looking to kind of numb ourselves. It can be great to have a glass of wine and unwind after work. That can be great. It can be great to go on Twitter and just blow off some steam and just browse through, you know, funny memes or whatever for 15 minutes at the end of a long day and whatever. That can be fine. But if you're looking at those things as a way to kind of numb your feelings, and it sounds like that's what social media has become for you, Carrie, and and I'm sure for other people listening, if you're numbing feelings with that, then you need to address what's going on. It's unhealthy to be engaging in numbing behaviors, right? So that's my advice for you, Carrie. Um, I don't have specific advice because I don't know exactly what's going on in your life, but you do. And um, know that I'm going to be praying for you. And I want to invite other listeners to please, let's pray for Carrie, but let's pray for all people who um, might be struggling with their use of social media, for whom social media is a negative part of their lives, or for all people who are struggling with addictive behaviors or engaging in any level of numbing, that God might open their eyes and their hearts and their minds to the ways in which that temptation toward the behaviors, that temptation toward the numbing behaviors is really a call to grow closer to him and really address the the real issue, what's really going on, what you're looking to escape, what you're looking to numb and avoid. So listeners, I want to invite you to join me in praying for that specific intention in the coming week. Know that I'm praying for you. I always tell people that Girlfriends is a prayerful community of women, and I really mean that. And it starts with me. I pray for you guys. I pray before I record the episode. I pray after I've recorded the episode. I pray for God to touch the hearts of the people who are going to listen to what I share here in whatever way they need most, for them to grow in their relationship with God, and for all of us to be given the grace to support and encourage one another in the important ways that we connect here on the Girlfriends Podcast. You are an important part of that community, and I want to thank you for being here and for being a part of that. One thing I want to mention before we have to wrap up here today is that if you enjoy the Girlfriends podcast, one way that you can give a gift to the Girlfriends community and it doesn't cost you a thing is to go onto iTunes and rate the podcast, review the podcast, and this is important, hit that subscribe button. I would so love it if you would do that because all three of those things are a helpful way that we can let iTunes know that you're enjoying the podcast and that others might too. It's a beautiful way that we're able to grow the podcast, let other people know about the good work that we are doing here, the important ways that we're connecting each week on Girlfriends. So go to iTunes, leave a rating, that's the stars review, and then write a short review. Even if it's one sentence, it's hugely helpful. So that's my one little beg, my one little ask for you here today. But mostly I'm just grateful that you've been here. I'm grateful that you've chosen to spend some time with me here on Girlfriends this week. Thank you for all the ways that you prayerfully encourage and support what we're doing here at Girlfriends. It truly is a gift to me, the fact that you show up week after week and we're able to connect in this way. Until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. 
Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 